This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. kick things off on a Thursday, a very busy Thursday here on Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. On night one of the NFL draft coming up later tonight. Another full night of NHL postseason action. And the day after, the Calgary Wranglers took a 1-0 series lead in their second round series against the Abbotsford Canucks. Thanks to a Jacob Peltier OT winner. We will dive into all of that and more this afternoon. Keep it tuned here to uh, Sportsnet 960, Hockey Central 960 today as well with Haley Salvian, Flames Talk with Steinberg, and a double header of NHL playoff action on your radios tonight. Tampa Bay in Toronto. Leafs looking to slay the beast that is Tampa Bay and move on to the second round. Well, the Golden Knights look to eliminate the Winnipeg Jets in Vegas. We'll have both of those games for you. Uh, right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And then, of course, some Friday night hockey as well. We'll be back at the Scotiabank Saddledome tomorrow night for some more Wranglers hockey right here on your radios on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We'll have uh, Nick Baumgartner on with us coming up in just moments to chat about night one of the NFL draft tonight, round one tonight. The Carolina Panthers hold the number one overall selection and appear to be taking a quarterback out of Alabama. We'll see if those rumors ring true and how Nick feels about that report uh, from earlier today. Thursday's me to chat with Adnan Verk, our pal from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. And we'll check in with our pal Jason Bukula from Sportsnet.ca, former scout uh, for the Florida Panthers, and uh, now a regular contributor to Sportsnet.ca. Uh, I believe he's in Switzerland right now for the uh, under-18s. So we'll uh, work some magic with the uh, with the clocks and get uh, Jason on to talk some hockey and uh, see what he's covering over in Switzerland. Uh, reminder, you can get the show wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. The pods go up literally moments after uh, every hour is finished and there for your downloading pleasure. Make sure to rate, review, and uh, kindly subscribe to uh, all of your Sportsnet 960 programs. Uh, let's kick things off today on the program, though, talking NFL draft. We'll get into the Wranglers. Uh, big victory against the Abbotsford Canucks coming up in the next segment. Uh, but tonight, round one of the NFL draft goes tonight. And uh, there's been plenty of movement ahead of tonight's matchup, ahead of tonight's draft, excuse me. Uh, the Chicago Bears finished the year 
with the first overall pick. They have since traded it to the Carolina Panthers, and uh, by all accounts, sounds as though they will take their next quarterback of the future with that first overall pick, but that's just one of many storylines heading into round one tonight, and uh, very pleased to chat all things NFL Draft with uh, senior writer from The Athletic, Nick Baumgartner, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Nick, thanks for doing this today. I'm sure it's a busy day, man. How are you? Absolutely. Always busy, but good. This is uh, draft season. That's why we do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking forward to tonight. It should be a great one. Uh, the news today from uh, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network is that it will be Bryce Young, the quarterback out of Alabama, selected first overall by the Carolina Panthers. How does that fit uh, with your thought process? Does one make sense for Carolina? Yes, absolutely. I think that's been where this has been trending for some time. I, I think that's why they made the trade. I think after the combine, you know, Carolina and a few other teams, uh, in fact, had sort of solidified that I think they thought Bryce Young was the guy. And um, Carolina makes that move, and I think it was bound time for them to do that. You know, they've been sort of flirting with it for a while. So I think that's a good good situation there. they got a new coach. They've got a good young uh, core of players in certain spots that I like. They're not that bad, right? They're not the traditional number one team that's drafting. So I like that spot there. Uh, not surprising. And I think the draft really will start uh, at number two because we really don't know what Houston's going to do. I was going to say the, the segue is perfect into uh, to my next topic, and it is the Houston Texans. Yeah. I'm not sure that that any team affects what's going to happen tonight more than Houston does, Nick, based on the fact that you're right. They have so many needs. They have two high draft picks coming in at two and 12. It feels like just about anything could happen. They could trade. They could draft at one of those positions. They could make a big splash. They're going to have a big impact on what happens tonight in the draft. Yeah. I mean, even the quarter, I mean, even if they do decide to stick and take a quarterback, you know, it doesn't have to be CJ Stroud. They could take Will Levis or, you know, upset the little, the order that we've all sort of perceived as how this is going to go. Uh, that's not really, you know, a slam dunk yet. So we'll see if what happens there, but also, yes, I mean, like Houston is in a really unique situation. There's not many comps to this. They, they had to trade, you know, or have to trade. They did trade Deshaun Watson and got all the, you know, the picks back from Cleveland, which was a ton for this year and next year. They're terrible. They need everything. So like, you, you know, you could conceivably say, you know, just build your team, stick it to and pick Will Anderson from Alabama and just build, your team with a bunch of great picks this year and then trade everything you got next year for the best quarterback you can get like that, that could happen. And so if that does happen, these quarterbacks are going to start falling and then things get a little more interesting. Let's talk about that quarterback class a bit, because uh, if it is true that Bryce Young's the first one off the board, I think it makes a lot of sense. He's faced top talent in the sec. I know there were some concerns about his size, but he seems to have, you know, knocked off any doubters about that. How do you see the rest of this quarterback class working out, Nick? Is was Bryce Young the top of the class when it came to to your looking at this class of quarterbacks? Yeah, I think Bryce Young is the most NFL ready, like right now, and is going to be probably on his rookie deal. The guy that we're, you could probably say the, the closest to a sure thing that he's going to have a good stretch. It's not going to be bad. He's going to have a chance to help the team. Uh, all the size limitations are what they are, but his processing is elite. It's, you know, Drew Brees level uh, in a lot of areas. So I think that he's going to give himself a chance and give whoever he takes, whoever takes him a chance. Stroud, I think is my, my number two. And, you know, in some ways I like him better than young as a passer, but you know, he also doesn't have, you know, the mental processing, uh, the, the quickness in the pocket to sort of solve problems, get off a read, get onto the next one, make sure the ball's out on time. You know, at Ohio state, you know, he's playing with all these, terrific receivers who are wide open all the time. And sometimes it's a little easier than 
I think it might be in the NFL. So there's some concern there, uh, and, you know, that's valid. But, uh, but I do think that, you know, he would be the second one off, and then the third is sort of in the eye of the beholder. It's, you know, do you like uh, Anthony Richardson or do you like Will Levis? And I think that those guys are, like, right there. You can really flip a coin. They're both very similar, raw prospects, a lot of work to do. But also, you know, they really could be – both those guys, if they, if they turn out, could be better than Stroud or Young. And, you know, neither is a guarantee, though. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, I'm curious if you're one of the people that feel as though Anthony Richardson is one of the quarterbacks that has the highest ceiling when it comes to this class of quarterbacks mm-hmm. you might see go first uh, in the first round tonight. Yes, absolutely. I think that, if, and, you know, bottom line on this one, I mean, I started really getting into him back in January and talked to some people that were around him even in high school. And, you know, all, all things that, that all signs point to him being a really quality youngster who's really, really young who is a willing learner, uh, who's coachable, and who has some serious issues with his mechanics and needs to fix some accuracy problems. However, if he fixes all those things, which I think are doable, um, also a big if, he's the best player in this class because he is, you know, 6'5", 240, faster than Cam Newton, uh, throws it farther than Cam Newton. I mean, he's Cam Newton on steroids to a degree, right? So I think that – that could be what he becomes. And if he becomes that, that is nobody else in this class can match that. But, you know, that's the, that's the big gift. And uh, you really have to have the right situation around him, uh, not just, you know, on the roster, but the coaching staff too, if you're going to take him. Uh, speaking of those uh, players around uh, the quarterback position, the wide receiver class is one that's got a lot of intrigue heading into round one tonight. How do you see this, this wide receiver class? Cause I've seen, guys really projected anywhere from the, the top tens of receivers to maybe this is a draft where we see receivers go closer to the bottom of the first round. Uh, and there's really three or four guys when you put in flowers and uh, some of these guys mixed in there. How do you see it working out round one when it comes to wide receivers, Nick? Yeah, I tend to think that it's more of the latter that we'll, we'll, have to, we'll be waiting a minute uh, on the receivers. I, you know, I really don't think uh, there's going to be anybody – that grades any of these guys in their top 15, like that's sort of where I would, uh, you know, draw the line. Any, you know, I could see somebody slipping into the teens, but I almost kind of wonder if we're going to wait till 20 uh, to see a guy go, go off the board. And when we do, we could see a run, you know, like if it's Jackson Smith and Jigba or uh, Zay Flowers or Hyatt or one of these guys, uh, then we could see a run because they're all sort of lumped together. And there's really no de- definitive, like superstar. We know this guy is going to be elite. There's a lot of, like, we know this guy's going to be probably pretty good and help us a lot, but, like, that's kind of where it's where, where it tops out this year. So I think that uh, teams will probably be more willing to wait there. But I am curious to see if, uh, you know, some trades happen maybe into the teams. If somebody really likes one of those guys and wants to jump the line. So I think you could see something like that happen, too. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Nick, is there a more intriguing prospect heading into uh, tonight's draft than Jalen Carter? It seems like he's got off the map. Mm-hmm. NFL talent, but uh, off the field issues, obviously playing him, had a lackluster pro day when it comes to, you know, him showing off his talents. Right. Where do you see Jalen Carter winding up when it's all said and done tonight? You know, his talent is so immense. I think just individually, just from a football film standpoint, from what he did from snap to snap, you know, at Georgia, uh, when you comp him to every other guy in the draft, he's the best player on the board. He's number one. And, you know, some would argue Will Anderson should be number one. Some would argue Bryce Young. Uh, but I think Jalen Carter's last two years, there's nobody that when they were all dialed in was as dominant as he was. But that becomes the question on top of all of the issues with the legal situation and then him 
you know, clearly not being in, in, in a good way at his pro day and everything else. And, and what kind of player are you getting mentally right now? Um, you know, he's a very interesting guy because I think the book on him unfairly has been and fair and unfairly because the decisions he's made here this offseason were clearly very poor and they resulted in, you know, at least an aided in loss of life. So that's not good. But like, mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, he's also a very young guy, 20 something, 20, I think he's 20. And he's quiet and uh, immature and needs to grow up. But I, I've yet to hear anybody tell me this is a bad person, you know, or this is a bad guy. So I really don't think he's going to make it out of the top five. I think he's going to be gone by then. I'd be very surprised if he makes it out of the top ten. But by the end of the day, I think I'd be a little surprised if he's out of the top five. I think I think teams have seen and heard enough. And if you have the right locker room to wrap your arms around a guy like this and maybe help him, then it could be a really big reward in the end. What do you see the Philadelphia Eagles doing with uh, their picks? It's very rare we see a team coming off of a Super Bowl appearance having a top 10 pick, and it feels like they have uh, a decision on their hands that could go uh, really any way, shape, or form and could have a big influence once we get to that number 10 spot. I'm very interested to see if B. John Robinson's there uh, for them. You know, they're at number uh, 10. You know, if, if he could go in the top 10. That would not shock me. Uh, if Philadelphia were to maybe take a chance at that. I mean, they're in win the Super Bowl right now mode, but they're also a franchise that always thinks about, you know, three years from now and doesn't get careless. So I hesitate on the Bijan thing, but I do, I always sort of go back to tackles. You know, Lane Johnson's getting older. Um, Typically with Howie Roseman, we see when one of their stars is like a year or two from being done, his replacement is drafted and then he has a year under his belt before it's time for him to go. So, you know, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, if he's sitting there, feels like a really good fit. And, I mean, he's a pro. You know, talk about a guy who's ready to go. He's fit right away. You're not, you know, if the Eagles are looking for a guy who can walk in the door and help them tomorrow. And that's going to be a pretty high threshold. That guy can't be a developmental piece, um, I would think. So, you know, that, that would be an interesting one, one of those tackles. Uh, talk to me about B. John Robinson. What do you see out of the young man uh, who's got a lot of praise? I know the latest has kind of hooked yeah. him. Uh, perhaps at that eight spot with Atlanta. It seems like this is a guy that could go very high in the draft, Nick, or could fall a bit depending on how things work out. Yeah, I would not be shocked at all if he lands in the top ten. I mean, he is, in terms of talent, you know, when you stack the whole thing up and you stick all the positions off of it, uh, he is a top ten talent. He might be a top five talent in the draft. And, you know, when you put the positions back on there, of course, things get a little different. So, mm. you know, you've got to be in the right spot if you're going to take Bijan. Like, Detroit, Atlanta, Philly are the teams right there. And at Detroit, that might be a little too rich. You know, maybe in Atlanta, that might be a little too rich. But those are teams that are closer. You know, Detroit and Atlanta are closer to being ready than maybe many think. They have good offensive lines. They can run the ball. And Philly, we know can. So the real situation here is if you're drafting B. John Robinson, you need to be a contender the minute you get him on the team. Because the minute the rookie deal starts, you got to be maxing it out. You can't be wasting any time. So, that's sort of what I look at there. I think there's three teams, though, in the top ten that, you know, if they want to do it, it certainly would fit. Nick Baumgartner along with us here on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline chatting all things NFL draft ahead of round one tonight from Kansas City. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this tight end class, Nick. It's got some really interesting names. Uh, Michael Meyer and Dalton Kincaid appear to be at the top of that list, but uh, Sam Laporta out of Iowa is making a lot of noise lately. Yeah. It sounds like he might work his way into the top uh, 32 picks as well tonight. Uh, what intrigues you about this tight end class? Oh, it's great. It's one of the best ones in years and, and maybe the best in the modern in the modern day, really. I and mean, I think that we'll see probably eight or nine, maybe more 
drafted uh, by the end of Friday, which, you know, is, I think, pretty unheard of. I'm not sure if that's a record or not. I, we could see as many as four go in the first round tonight. Uh, you know, Darnell Washington, uh, Luke Musgrave, or two others. Uh, but really, yeah, I mean, it's a very unique class, but I also think it's a sign of things to come. We've seen more and more younger players that are freaky, freaky, big, long athletes that, you know, five, six years ago, these guys would have been shuffled off to an offensive line room or a defensive end room. And now they're playing tight end. And uh, so <laughs> you're seeing more and more really good athletes come out of this position because they've seen, you know, Travis Kelsey, they've seen some of these players in the NFL really take off. And I think the position is changing. And this year is a terrific representation of that because, you know, Mayer and Kincaid are guys that could come in right away and be, you know, top targets on the team, you know, regardless of where you line them up, they're that good of uh, football players. So this is a really good tight end class, you know, the best in at least 15, 20 years, I would say. Uh, but also, you know, this could be something we talk about more and more as time goes on here. Uh, a couple of individuals I wanted to highlight with you before we let you go, Nick. One of them being Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Uh, seems like a kid yeah. that's drafting, you know, going up a lot of draft boards because of his, you know, uh, athleticism and, and could be a, a really interesting position. Edge is always an interesting one to watch in the draft. How do you see things working out for Lucas tonight? He's one of my favorite guys in this whole draft, uh, and you, you'll appreciate this. Being on, he's a former hockey player. Uh, he was a 6'5", 270-pound defenseman, <laughs> maybe 260, uh, in Chicago, uh, and was good. And like had college hockey offers, could have played hockey, uh, decided to play football. And when you think about you know, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, the offensive tackle is another guy up from Canada, same thing. Mm-hmm. You think about these big men that played hockey you know, like, and have that agility and that foot speed. Uh, the, the sky can be the limit. And Van Ness has barely played. He was a rotational guy at Iowa. He's so young. But his physicals are kind of off the charts. And I think there are some teams that would have him as high as like their second or third edge uh, in this whole class. I mean, it, he could go in the 20s. Uh, he could go in, at 10. It wouldn't shock me either way. I think that there's a, there's a pretty wide range, but I think he will be a first-round pick. How do you see the, the night being for uh, for Nolan Smith, another edge rusher? Uh, it seems like he's smart. He's got a ton of talent, but that size is always a factor that NFL teams are curious yeah. about. Uh, is that going to hold him back when it comes to maybe being out of the top 10, maybe top 15 tonight? I think so. I think that that could be the question there, right? Like, I think I wonder about a team like New England, you know, who sometimes can will overlook stuff like that, um, you know, if, if they would be interested because he is such a smart player and he is such a team guy. Uh, and everybody at Georgia loved him. I mean, you will not find, like, he was, you know, Nolan Smith was the number one overall ranked recruit in his class, uh, you know, and uh, everybody loved him, which I think is kind of rare when you when you see a kid with that much attention that, uh, that does so many things and wears so many hats that I almost wonder if some of those teams there that are smart, like even Green Bay, uh, you know, I know they need some other things, but, you know, like, I, I do wonder. But he is so small, and it's kind of scheme-dependent, and he really does need to fit in a certain spot. So, yeah, I could see him being there, uh, maybe in the mid-teens or even uh, in the early 20s. Uh, Nick, last one before we let you go. I want everybody to go and, and check it out on your Twitter because you guys did a great article about, you know, 10 guys you'd fight for when it comes to draft day. And uh, we've gone through a couple of guys. I don't want to go through the entire list because I'd encourage people who are interested in the draft tonight to go check out your article at The Athletic. But give me a couple of those guys maybe that we haven't talked about that are favorites for you. I know you yeah. did the offensive side of things. If you could give us a couple of those guys that you're really intrigued by tonight on the offensive side of things. Yeah, TCU's got an offensive lineman, Steve Avila, who uh, can play all, literally all five spots. He played all five in college, started at center, started at both guards, uh, started at tackle at one point for a brief period of time. He's probably an interior player. 
uh, in the NFL, but like in terms of toughness and mental fortitude and all that, like he's as good as it gets. And I, I've almost, you know, he's he's a little smallish for the first round, and I don't think he'll crack that, but I definitely don't think he's making it out of the second. He's a terrific, terrific player. And then another one a little later, um, Ty J. Spears, running back from Tulane, uh, was amazing at the Senior Bowl, uh, had a terrific year last year at Tulane, was one of these guys that like was a really late bloomer in high school who nobody wanted until all of a sudden they did, but he stuck with Tulane and then helped them from a, you know, a horrible team to a, you know, a cotton bowl champion and everything else. I mean, these, there's some tough, tough grinders in this class. And I would say that those are two uh, that always pop up to the top uh, of, of mind. Uh, you can check out Nick Baumgartner, obviously at the athletic. Or if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can follow him at Nick Baumgartner. Nick, thanks so much for the time today. I know you're really busy. You got a bunch of radio hits up here. Uh, north of the border to get to. We appreciate you taking some time for us today, hey? Absolutely. Anytime. Take care. Enjoy the draft tonight, man. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Nick Baumgartner joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Round one of the NFL draft goes tonight from Kansas City. The Carolina Panthers only number one overall selection. And according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, they are expected to take uh, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young with that number one overall selection. And uh, as we chat about with Nick there, there's a ton of storylines heading into tonight's draft. Uh, who goes at number two to the Houston Texans? Uh, your guess is as good as mine or probably uh, as good as Nick's, who is the much more uh, polished draft expert than myself because the Texans hold picks at 2-12 and 12, um, and need a little bit of everything. So could take a top-end talent at number two, could look to move down and pick up some more draft picks, but still be there at 12 to take another great prospect. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, all 32 teams drafting, or, or at least 32 picks being drafted on every team with a first-round pick tonight. But it should be interesting. Quarterbacks uh, off the boards. Where does Anthony Richardson fall? Does a wide receiver get taken? Is it Zay Flowers? Who's the top guy in that one? Where does Jordan Addison fall? Uh, all these questions. And uh, we'll chat about this with Adnan Ver coming up in hour two. Uh, his Eagles, who were just in the Super Bowl, uh, albeit didn't win it, have a pick at 10 and at 30 this year. Uh, so they could add some serious talent to their roster, which is already pretty elite, uh, and do so on NFL rookie contracts. What do they do at 10 and 30? There's a ton of question marks heading into tonight's draft. Uh, appreciate Nick from The Athletic joining us uh, on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. There's playoff hockey at the Scotiabank Saddledome last night. The Calgary Wranglers picking up their first victory uh, in their first home game at the uh, Scotiabank Sound when it comes to postseason action. Uh, Jacob Peltier played the hero. We'll dive into all of that uh, around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Quick wrist shot from Peltier to keep it out. Here's Peltier. He'll come down the wing. Tried to send it ahead for Bishop. Back onto the stick for Pelche, and he scores! Play Bonnie Tyler! Jacob Pelche is your hero in game number one! Sandra Persina on the call. Right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan last night. Jacob Pelche, the overtime hero for the Calgary Wranglers as they down the Abbotsford Canucks in game one of their round two series in the Calder Cup playoffs. Big win to start off the postseason for the Wranglers. Welcome back to the program. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Shutting all things 
Wranglers after a big playoff win at the Scotiabank Saddledome last night. You heard it uh, right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I mentioned Sandra Persina on the call. Shout out to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, who got the news late yesterday afternoon. Uh, might have some live hockey to do on the radio tonight. No one else is available. You're already at the studio. So how about you just you just you just hang around for a little while? Why don't you just you just stick around and and do the do the game? And you did. And you did a fabulous job. And you're so excited about it, Taylor. Am I? Oh, you are. I can tell. You're as excited as Cam was this morning. Had his sunglasses on. A long day. It was a long day. But it was worth it, though. It was. Right? Big win for the Wranglers. You got some excitement. You guys got to work intermissions. You did post-game? Did I see that right? You did post-game? Yeah. We had to, we had to give a little recap for everybody. Unbelievable. Give our thoughts and opinions on the game. They grow so fast. They just they grow up so fast. One day they're bad pro- moment. One day they're producing, and the next day, you know, they're doing intermissions and the games all by themselves. It's just a proud moment. But what a game it was last night for the Calgary Wranglers. Definitely a little bit of playoff rust, I think it's fair to say, for a team that had a first-round bye. Um, Abbotsford came in winning their last series in two games, and uh, definitely seemed to have uh, a little bit more of a step in their game to start it off. Uh, but the Wranglers, as you would expect from a good team, they certainly found their way, found the pace to it in front of uh, 5,654 of you at the Scotiabank Saddledome last night. Uh, that's a great number that I'm expecting and hoping to be higher for game two on Friday night as the Wranglers look to take a stranglehold in this best of five series against their Pacific Division rivals. Your goal scorers, obviously you heard Jacob Peltier. Uh, his first of the postseason was the game winner in overtime. Dryden Hunt, your trade deadline acquisition from the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, kicked off the scoring at 13-19, while Adam Klapka would uh, give them a lead late in the third period, I guess midway through the third period, uh, with his first of the postseason as well. Uh, this won't stun anybody to know. Uh, Dustin Wolf, your second star of the game last night, he was tremendous. 37 saves on the night, and uh, Spencer Martin, the Canucks, one-time Canucks goaltender, points this season, now back with Abbotsford. Uh, he was strong as well, made 37 saves in the loss for Abbotsford. So now all the focus is in on game number two of this series coming up on Friday. But let's check in with the head coach, Mitch Love, talking post-game after his team was able to pick up their first victory of the playoffs and their first victory at home the Scotiabank Saddledome as the Wranglers made their playoff debut in Calgary. Here's head coach Mitch Love following his team's win last night. Coach, just talking to the guys, I know they mentioned it was a maybe not the start that they wanted, but your overall thoughts on tonight's game. Yeah, we looked like a team that hadn't played in a while. You know, I thought our execution was average at best. Um, I think guys maybe frustrated themselves because just, you know, things are happening at such a high level of speed and, and repetition out there. And when you haven't played a competitive game in 11 days, while a team over here has played a couple playoff games, it's it was a bit of a factor. And, you know, but at the end of the day, we won the hockey game. It's one game. I think we can be better. I think they can be better. I think they will be better. And, you know, we just uh, get back to work tomorrow. What are the biggest changes that you're looking for from this team? 
Uh, just execution. I think just making simple plays. I think just playing the game simple, managing the puck, managing the game. I mean, that's that's stuff we've talked about for 73 games now, so it's it's nothing new to our guys. But, you know, they just needed some game reps. We talked about it all week that we needed to get back at it and compete against an opponent. Uh, that's a heck of a team over there. They they You, you can't give them much or they'll make you pay. And uh, we saw it a couple times tonight, so... I think we can be uh, better, and uh, you know we'll go back to work tomorrow on this stuff. What did you think of Dustin in particular in the first period where you guys were still in that lull, but he was still trying to keep you in the game? Well, how many games did he play this year? Like 55? I've seen it for 55 games. Yeah. I mean, that's what he does. I mean, like when stuff breaks down or we're not sharp, um, he he senses those moments. He's got a high hockey IQ, and um, you know he, he just kept us hanging around. And they had some glorious chances just really ugly turnovers or ugly breakdowns by us, um, but it's part of his job. What did you think of Phillips' penalty and uh, your, your team's response to it on the penalty kill? Yeah, the, the penalty, I mean, you know, I watched it over again. I mean, that's not for me to judge. I, I get in trouble for that, so uh, I won't say anything. Uh, that's probably your answer right there, Ryan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a huge penalty kill. Uh, that The game could have went sideways or uh, out of control for us if they had some success on that power play so um you know we draw a penalty and score a four and four goal and you know maybe got us going a little bit in the hockey game um but yeah we missed them tonight Mitch what do you think 24 NHL games has done for Jacob Pelche uh whew, I, I, I don't know I, I mean he just again experience like being around a, a team that was pushing for a playoff spot down the stretch um, you know, if you ask Pelts, like, I don't know if, it, and maybe you guys have talked to him, right? I don't know if he liked his game tonight. And uh, he's a competitive kid, but he, he finds ways in big moments to, to make the difference. And I, I thought his best period of the night was overtime, and obviously he got rewarded for it. What was the team's reaction to um, finding out you guys would be playing Abbotsford after just finishing the season with a three-game series against them? Uh We've always thought that was a quality hockey team over there, and, and they played some really good hockey over the last couple months. So we knew at some point we'd probably see them in the playoffs. Here we are in the first round. Um, we're excited to play them. We, we, we think they're a premier team in this league, and um, you know we've we've got our uh, work cut out for us. Uh, not to jump back to Pelts, but what would you say is the biggest difference in his game from when you saw him at the beginning of the year when he started with you guys to when he returned back uh, to you guys after that lengthy time with the NHL club? Um, this is a young man who hasn't played a lot of hockey guys in the last month and a little bit. Like, I think we, you know, he's still getting his legs back in terms of the repetition and playing, like, you know, he might play 15 minutes up there. Well, he, sometimes he plays 20 minutes with us. So he's still trying to find his game a little bit. He he, he understands that, and I'm, I'm not worried about him. He's he, he learned a lot up there. He's just trying to get back in some game conditioning and, and get his, you know, get him his legs caught up to the brain and, and whatnot. So... I'm not worried about him. He, he found a way to win a hockey game tonight. What about in terms of off-ice demeanor, maturity in that respect? Same guy. Same guy. Energy. Want to put a muzzle on his mouth sometimes, you know. <laughs> but you know what? He, that's him. That's, that's the energy he provides our hockey club. He, I've seen it for two years. He's a competitor, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a big part of our team. That was Wranglers head coach Mitch Love following his team's victory in overtime last night against the Abbotsford Canucks. And yes, uh, lots of talk about Jacob Peltier given his NHL experience this year. He comes back to the Wranglers, 
picks up a huge goal for them in overtime last night. 11.52 into the extra frame for Jacob to uh, become the overtime hero. 3-2, Wranglers take a one nothing series lead. Let's hear from Jacob, uh, as you heard from the coach. Uh, sometimes you want to put a muzzle on. He's the talker. He's got plenty of energy. Uh, he was ready to go for last night's game. Here he is uh, with the media following his big overtime winner for the Wranglers. Well, we were just talking to Coach, and he was kind of wondering if you felt like you had a good game, so I wanted to ask you how you felt about your game tonight. I think it was a tough one for me. Uh, you know, like the first two or three periods, it's hard. Like we had, what, an 11-day break or something like that, so it was hard, but I think uh, we we kind of stuck with it, and uh, yeah. You, not on top of the yeah. way it oh, finished, though. Sorry? You probably liked the way it finished. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great. You had the the eleven day layoff, but also some of those games down the stretch with the Flames, like you weren't playing in all of them too. Like in terms of getting your legs back and your conditioning back, like how are you feeling on that front? I mean, it's hard when like you're not playing right for like a good amount of games, like a good amount of weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean uh, tonight was a tough one, but uh, on the Friday it's going to be good. What did you see on the uh, the OT goal? Can you take us through? Well, I think I had like five shots in the overtime. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I had, uh, I had a shot in the first three periods and I had five in the overtime. So honestly, I was just trying to keep simple, shoot the buck. Fans were unbelievable tonight. So yeah. What about, the, what about the celebration afterward? Well, I was just kind of bumped up, to be honest. So, How yeah. big was Dustin Wolf for you guys? Oh, he's unbelievable. Uh, honestly, like it's pretty rare. You see like a two on two on no in the first and you just like, you're like, ah, oh, you know. So yeah, it's great. He's, he's good. And I think it's going to be a, a huge player for us uh, going down the playoff. What are the biggest things you guys are looking to change heading into Friday's game? Well, I think now that we got the first game, uh, I think it's going to be great. I think we just got to, you know, I think our uh, e- execution was not great tonight. And uh, I think it comes with, with time. So uh, now the first game is is uh, is done. And, yeah, we just got to build on that. I'm sure lots of people are going to ask you, can you describe what it's like to score an overtime winner <laughs> in the playoffs? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, the fans were, were kind of pumped up too. And, and yeah, me, I was kind of not shocked. But, yeah, I was like, I, I think I shoot the puck three times at the same spot and did go in. So, like, the fourth time, I was like, come on, man, you got to score. <laughs> uh, yeah, it went in. So, yeah. How many times have you dreamed yourself scoring an overtime playoff goal when you were younger? Uh, I mean quite a few to be honest but uh it's pretty rare you you have the chance to do it and uh, yeah what what did you like this this team you lose your leading score i think 10 minutes in for the rest of the night you don't maybe have your best stuff what did you learn about your group to get it out tonight uh i think we have a depth like depth group uh you know like all four lines well 11 forwards tonight i think uh, the guys played good and the uh, d were, were unbelievable and yeah Jacob Peltier, uh, always great uh, meeting with the media when he was up with the Flames, whether he's with the Wranglers, uh, always open to answer questions, always very open and honest for a young man. And, yeah, didn't like a lot of aspects of his game, but scores the game winner for the Wranglers last night and puts them in a good position in the best of five heading into game two on Friday. Now the big question becomes for the Calgary Wranglers, uh, as you heard in that conversation with Jacob, whether or not they will have uh, their regular season leading scorer, Matthew Phillips, in the lineup. He was assessed a five-minute penalty and a game misconduct for spearing on Jet Wu early in the first period. And uh, any, I believe it was Ryan Pike, our pal, uh, contributor Flames, uh, talked with Pat Steinberg, mentioning that the AHL 
all game misconducts uh, come with an automatic uh, suspension until it's been reviewed by the league president. So uh, there'll be some worry about Matthew Phillips' status going forward. Um, like Mitch Love said, you know, not much to, to comment on. It was a call made by the referees. The Wranglers were able to survive and kill off the penalty, but you'd much rather have your 36-goal scorer and 76-point uh, guy from the regular season in the lineup. Uh, that would make life a lot easier for this Calgary Wranglers team going forward. So uh, hopefully everything good for Matthew Phillips when it comes to uh, coming into action in uh, Game 2 on Friday. Uh, last person to hear from, you know him, you love him, it's Dustin Wolf. Uh, a number of outstanding saves in that game last night. Jacob Pelche, quick to praise the goaltender, the MVP of the American Hockey League, the goaltender of the year, uh, continued to shine from what was a great regular season into game one of the playoffs. Here is Dustin Wolf following his first postseason victory this season. All right, well, Dustin, I know talking to the guys earlier, they mentioned it was a bit of a slower start than they would have liked, but to come out with that win, how are you feeling right now? No, obviously we're happy with to get the first one. Um, you know, it's a battle in the playoffs, and you know, it wasn't the prettiest, but just to find the first one here at uh, home is going to give us motivation going forward. Take us through that <laughs> okay. overtime winner from the opposite end of the rink. I mean, pelts is pelts, right? He he goes out there, he, he scores goals when you need them, and uh, you know I had a feeling in between the third and overtime that he was going to be the guy to get it, and you know the whole motto is just throw pucks on net in overtime. You never know what can happen, and you know he made an incredible shot, a little blocker, and you know it beat him. So it's uh, no credit to him. What uh, what gave you that feeling? I've seen it before. Yeah. I've, seen it, I've seen it before many, many times, and and you just go back to last year. It's, you know, a big part of our our group and the reason why we went so far. And um, you know, I think that's just the first of uh, his playoffs here to get started. First game after such a long layoff from the bye in the first round. Can you describe what it was like being in this zone, especially in that first period where you're fending off all those shots? Yeah, no, I, I felt good out there, and um, you know, we wanted to come out you know strong. And obviously, we had a little bit of a slow start, but got more of our feet under us after that uh, that four and four goal. And, um, no, we'll definitely come back tomorrow and, and check out some video in areas we can improve. But um, like I said, good to get that first one out of the way and uh, you know, look for that second one. In the, in the best of five, you know, you can be in trouble really quickly. So just how significant, if, if it didn't go your way, I know you'd be saying no panic, but how significant is it to draw first blood? No, it's super important. You know, obviously that's, you know, the mindset coming in is you want to get that first one and um, you, know, you don't want to be chasing a series. So. Get that first one, build off it, find ways to get better, and uh, you know, come back Friday with uh, another good effort. Does anything prepare a guy for MVP chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a blessing for sure. It's pretty cool, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll have a cup over our head in, in a few months. But you know, in the meantime, that's pretty cool to see. How impressed were you by this crowd tonight? It was awesome. You know, um, you know, they got the pom poms out, and they got the they're on their feet, and. It's pretty cool to, uh, to come out to a building like that. That's loud and, loud and ruckus, and uh, you know, hopefully it's another good crowd on Friday, and we can put another show on. Dustin Wolf, top goaltender in the American Hockey League for the second year in a row, and as you heard uh, from Wes there, of course, he was the MVP of the league, and he heard those chants once again last night after a couple of spectacular saves, keeping his team in it during that five-minute power play in the first period that Abbotsford had just in general being his uh, usual outstanding self. Clearly uh, no rust for Dustin Wolf between the regular season and the postseason. He was tremendous. He was your second star of the game 
last night, making 37 saves in the victory. And as you said, hopeful uh, for more success coming on Friday night. It's another 7 o'clock puck drop from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Tickets available at CalgaryWranglers.com. Like I mentioned, 5,600 people uh, at the Dome for last night's game. That's a good number. I think we can beat it on Friday. I think we were already planning on getting it uh, higher than that on Friday. I know they had opened up a couple of sections into the second deck uh, of seating at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for Friday's game already. So uh, if you're looking to get there, that could be your last chance to see the Wranglers. Uh, it's usually going to be your last chance to see the Wranglers in round two uh, for sure because – uh, games three, four, and five, uh, if necessary, will be in Abbotsford. But uh, game two coming up Friday, they look to take a two nothing series lead into that third game uh, in Abbotsford, and hopefully into uh, further rounds in the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, it was a good game last night, Taylor. It was a lot of fun. The Wranglers started off a little slow, but uh, pushed back and found a way to win. It was it was nerve wracking towards the end. You didn't really know what was going to happen. It was just goal after goal, and it was it was, it was a little stressful. It was a little stressful, and I think that, that was as you heard from Mitch. There's a lot of rust there. It's it's weird to have even at the pro level to have that first round by, and you know some of these kids are young. Some of them are veterans who have been to plenty of playoffs before. But Abbotsford only had two more games right their their previous series was a best of three. They won two, but it's still two more games that they've played recently that the Wranglers haven't. And first game in the playoffs for the Wranglers in Calgary, all the pressure, big crowd, all that sort of stuff plays into it. You lost Phillips, uh, what, 10 minutes into the game. He took that spearing penalty. There was a lot going on last night, and uh, it seemed like it took a little bit of time, but they found their way. That's what good teams do. They were the best team in the uh, American Hockey League during the regular season for a reason. And uh, a lot of that credit goes, from my mind, to Mitch Love, who always seems to have that calming presence with this group, has a great feel for what his team needs and when they need it. And like we said, coming up on Friday, a chance for them to take a series stranglehold and go up 2 nothing in this best of five. Uh, not only can you get tickets and uh, should get tickets to go see the game on Friday, but uh, if you're busy, uh, as we announced yesterday, uh, you can hear all of your Calgary Wranglers playoff games Right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And we had the wonderful uh, Sandra Persina on the call last night, and uh, she did a tremendous job. And uh, you and Cam did a tremendous job filling in last minute. We were going to take NHL playoff action last night, but uh, quickly got the note that we were good to go for Wranglers. So we switched it up, got you guys ready to go, and uh, came out for uh, that playoff game. I'm glad to have it on the radios again on Friday. We'll uh, chat more Wranglers tomorrow. Uh, as we get set for another game day. Uh, last night in the NHL, we'll get more into this in hour two. Uh, how about the Seattle Kraken? All of a sudden taking a 3-2 series lead over the Colorado Avalanche as we head to Seattle for game six. Ty Cartier coming in, undrafted free agent for the Seattle Kraken. His parents in the middle of ball arena, screaming as he scores his first NHL goal. What a night for him. What a night for the Seattle Kraken who could slay the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions, in six games, maybe seven games if they need to. What a story that would be. Colorado clearly missing Kale McCarr last night. Um, I don't know if it's, it's a mixture of the way that Seattle plays and all the injuries that Colorado's dealing with. Look, any team that loses the likes of Nachushkin, Landeskog, 
Makar, like they have, you're you're going to be in trouble. It's it's tough, but I still thought that there would be enough of a talent gap. I think is the right word for it. I thought there was still going to be uh, enough in between these two teams for Colorado to come out on top. But give credit to Seattle Kraken, man. There's just something about the way they do their business that has given Colorado a lot of problems. They've gotten out to leads in this series and now just one game away from in their second year of existence getting to the second round and by doing so uh, ending the Colorado Avalanche's hopes of a repeat in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then how about last night too? The Florida Panthers, the Boston Bruins, Boston all over them at points in this game. It looks like we're heading to OT. We do head there. Seems as though we're des- Boston is all over Florida throughout the uh, period. Matthew Kachuk, of course. <laughs> Who else would it be if you're watching in Calgary but Matthew Kachuk? He comes through with the OT winner on a Linus Allmark misplay with the puck behind the net. I don't know if you were, did you watch Taylor? You guys were probably busy with uh, all your other stuff last night. We just caught that goal. We were just like, happened to just look up at the TV when it was happening. Oh my. I'm sitting there last night and I'm going, it's, it's over. Boston is all over them. They've got the pace. They're rolling all four lines. Florida pushed back a bit when the Bennett and Kachuk line was on or a bit when the Barkov line was on, but really past that, Boston was pressing, and Bobrovsky doing a good job of keeping his team in it. But, man, it just the, the misplay by Allmark, right to a Panther stick, finds Kachuk out front. He puts it in. We know the kind of hands he has, and all of a sudden, you've given the Florida Panthers life. I don't know that it's enough to overcome and win three straight against this Bruins team. But, man, uh, there were so many people screaming about goaltenders and staying in the net and just doing your own job. Don't worry about it. If you're a goaltender, tend the goal. Tend the goal. That was the line last night. Yeah, that was was the big one. And uh, funny enough how uh, things work out. Remember, Flames fans will uh, vividly remember the play-in series between the Jets and the flames in the bubble that saw Matthew Kachuk get tangled up with, I want to say it was Mark Shifley in that bubble series that got hurt. And Paul Maurice was all over Matthew Kachuk using his skate as a weapon. And that's dangerous. And that's the kind of player he is, blah, blah, blah. Well, now Paul Maurice coaching Matthew Kachuk in Florida asked about him post game. Sure. Seems like he's a, a pretty big fan of the player that Matthew Kachuk is. You mentioned Matthew Kachuk. Just what can you say from your vantage point of what you saw as he was able to find the back of the net? <laughs> that guy is a, and then you put a long string of profanity, gamer. Is, is he not a gamer? Like, I had time how many times he did that in Calgary to us in Winnipeg. Drive me crazy. How he could just, out of nowhere, pull a puck. So, I don't know, there's what, 700 guys in the league, 600 and... 40 of them jam that thing as fast as they can at the net and lose it, and he pulls it across. Right, he's got... He's just a gamer. Drove me crazy. 
the only times you did that when I was in Winnipeg. Yes, Paul, we do. We do remember. We also remember the other things. Things that you weren't so happy with. But you're pretty happy to have on your team now. Big goal from Kachuk. He was bouncing. Maybe a little bit of bulletin board material if you're the Boston Bruins last night, Taylor. I don't know if you saw this or not. The uh, Florida Panthers with their playoff post-game tradition of the game puck going on the board. They've got the board where they need 16 pucks, 16 game wins to get to the Stanley Cup final and to be the champions. And Matthew Kachuk gets the puck from Brandon Montour. And he goes, remember this room, boys. We'll be back here for game seven. Puts the puck in. Let's go. We're going to go. It's a great motivating moment. But I wonder if you're the Boston Bruins and you go, okay, we got to get through game six first. We'll be there for game six. We'll... We'll worry Let's, about that. Uh, focus on the one yeah. that's actually going to be yeah. happening. Big win. Big win. Don't get me wrong. 3-2 series. President's Trophy winners. You wouldn't have Literally won that like game. Tw- what, 12 losses? Yeah, you wouldn't have won that game if the goalie just, what's the term, Taylor? Tended the goal. Tended the goal. If he doesn't do that, you guys have lost the game. They were all over you. And I appreciate confidence in the team and I appreciate that it was a big moment for them 3-2 series against the best team in the league let's let's slow our roll a bit here we'll see how it works out but Florida has life and we know they're going at least six games in that series after a big win last night we'll take a break come back on the other side kickoff hour two a Thursday chat with Adnan Verk from MLB Network NHL Network and the Cinephile Podcast. We'll take a look at tonight's matchup of games. See how Adnan's feeling, because uh, Verk believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs are due to finally eliminate the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll talk to him about all of that and more around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.